chapter 1, verse, verses 1 through 4. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, to be called an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Don't miss that little phrase, the gospel of God. This is the way he winds up the book in the 16th chapter of the book of Romans. He says in verse 2, which he hath promised afore by the prophets and the holy scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. And then over to verse 16, Romans 1. 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. The apostle is declaring this gospel in this verse especially as he talks about the gospel of God. He says it's the power of God unto salvation. Many times there's no power in the preaching because men are not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now notice what he says, I am not ashamed. Many other times that I've come before you and preached this verse, I come this morning to take just a phrase out of this one verse one word really and it's the word ashamed look at it closely now he says I am not ashamed I am not ashamed he's actually saying I'm proud I'm proud that's the way you'd read it in the Greek language I am proud of the gospel of Jesus Christ I'm proud I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I've come again this morning to honor my Lord in the preaching his gospel, the good news concerning him. Anything concerning his person and his work is the gospel. You see, salvation is in the gospel, and the gospel is Christ, and Christ is the gospel. And so I trust that we've got that straight. Now I've tried to break this down and break it apart for you so you can get a handle on it. In verse 16, you see the person of the gospel. Christ. Christ. Do you see that? If he's dodged, ignored, and left out, you have no gospel. You take the heart out of the gospel when you take Christ out of it. When you talk about uh, examples of this and that and the other and you do not have Christ in the center of the preaching you take the heart out of it and that's Christ he says the person of the gospel is Christ he alone is worthy of worship Christ alone is worthy of worship <clears throat> and then he says it's the power of God not only do you have the person of the gospel here, you have the power of the gospel. He says it's the power of God. 
Now the Bible has many, many truths in it. You can start in the book of Genesis and go to the book of the Revelation, but it has one gospel, one gospel. You can preach many, many truths, and folks can rejoice in them, but nobody gets saved until the gospel is preached. You see, you must preach Christ. And so wherever you are in the Scriptures, if you make a beeline to Christ, then you'll have the gospel in it. But if you don't put Christ in it, there's no gospel in it. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. At <coughs> verse 21, he says that after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching, not foolish preaching, but the foolishness of preaching. Dr. Stevens used to say this, the president at Piedmont Bible College, he said that he knew the Bible was the word of God and it endured so much sorry preaching. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now on the heels of that, look at verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified. See that? We preach Christ crucified. And so the author of preaching is God. The agency of preaching is the Holy Ghost. And the aim of preaching is souls and service for Christ. And so it's all right here. Therefore, I say to you this morning, unless and until you enter into a personal encounter with this Christ, you're still lost. You're still lost. There's a third thing here. Not only the person of the gospel and the power of the gospel, but the purpose of the gospel. He says in our passage in Romans chapter 1 and at verse 16, he says, It is the power of God unto salvation. Now watch this, the purpose. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That came to the Jew first, of course, and then to Gentiles, to the Greeks, and to us. But here is the purpose of it. Everyone that believes, not to everyone, but to everyone that believes. You see it? Do you see it? You've got to believe it. And this word used here, believe, means continual action. You believe it today and you believe it tomorrow and you continually believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the word that's used here. And so uh, that is the introduction we want to give you. Now we come to this idea that he was not ashamed. He was not ashamed. He was proud of the gospel. He is proud to believe the gospel as a man. He said, I believe God in Acts 27. I believe God. Now I trust you've come to that place 
for you can believe God. You can believe him. What a statement. <clears throat> what a statement. It looked like the ship was going down in Acts chapter 27 and everybody on board. But the Apostle Paul said, I believe God. I believe what God says about the lostness of man. Don't you? He says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I believe that. I believe that. I believe <clears throat> that when you come to the place in your life where you realize the difference as you begin to think about the lostness and your plot in life, how that you're lost before God, I believe that you need to be thinking about that and thinking about your plight before him, your lostness. And then I, I believe what he says about provision in Christ. He's made provision for us. Do you know that God's plan with men is in what Christ did? God has put all his eggs in one basket. They're all in one basket. They're in Christ Jesus. They're in him. Think of those who leave him out this morning. But God has put all of the provision in Christ Jesus. Everything that he's done for us is in Christ. We must acknowledge that. We must believe that. The apostle was proud to believe the gospel as a man. And then I believe what he says about the judgment of God. Not only about the lostness of man and provision in Christ, but the judgment of God. There's something worse than death, and that's judgment. That's to meet God in judgment. The world presents in their philosophy this morning is this, that the worst thing is death, but the worst thing is to meet God after death. Judgment. Judgment. God has appointed a day, and we're moving quickly towards it, when men shall be judged, and uh, they shall face this God that they are hedging on and do not believe. Listen, have you come to the place that you're not hedging now, that you actually believe God that's what he's talking about. He said, I'm proud to believe God as a man. <clears throat> I'm proud to believe God as a man. Second thing, if you go over to the 10th chapter of Romans, verses 9 and 10, he's not only proud to believe God as a man, he was proud to confess the gospel as a Christian. Chapter 10. And verses 9 and 10, very familiar. He says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For he is proud to confess the gospel as a Christian. <clears throat> and here in this text you have the lordship of Christ 
at the heart of the confession. And so many today deny that. They're denying it all over the country. I listened yesterday to the last message that a man gave, and he did not know, as uh, no one knows, as he was given this message, and then he left that church, and he was dead by Monday evening. And one of the popular men of our day, but on that tape, he denied the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I had a preacher say to me, uh, Brother Frank, do you believe in Lordship salvation? I looked at him and I said this, is there any other kind? <clears throat> is there any other kind? If you do not believe Lordship, you do not believe that Jesus is Lord. And the one who is Lord is Savior. This one who is Lord became the Savior. And so this idea of making him Lord is all out. You don't make him anything. He is. Now he became Savior, but he's Lord before he ever got here. So I looked at him and I asked him this, is there any other kind? And I look at you this morning to note your reaction to this truth. Are you proud to confess the gospel as a Christian? As a Christian? Apostle Paul was proud of it. He didn't hesitate. He didn't hesitate. Paul never did. <clears throat> Why, he was glad and he was proud to confess the gospel as a Christian. Not only to believe it as a man, but to confess it as a Christian. He's proud to confess it. He wasn't ashamed of it. Now, I made a lot of mistakes in my life. I took a lot of wrong turns. And I made a lot of decisions that wasn't right. And it took me down the wrong paths. But listen, I have never been ashamed that there was a day in my life when I confessed him as my Lord and my Savior. That's never been a question. The boy ten years and nine years old. That's never been a question. All that I could commit to him and submit to him as a boy nine years old, I did. I've never been ashamed. In fact, I've been proud of that. I've been proud of that. I've tried to drill that into my family. That Jesus Christ is more than all of this world and all of this good. He's more than anything you can think of. Why, most of the things we depend on are moving. They're going to move off the scene. Even this world as we know it this morning, it's going to roll up like a, a shade. It's going to roll up one day. Oh, it'll pay in that day to confess Jesus as a Christian. There's a third thing. He not only was proud, <clears throat> proud to believe the gospel as a man, 
and to confess it as a Christian, but he is proud to proclaim it as a witness, as a witness. Look at Acts of chapter 22 and verse 15. Acts at chapter 22 and verse 15. For thou shalt be his witness unto all of what thou hast seen and heard. The apostle Paul was to be a witness, and so are we. We are his witnesses. Round about the neighborhood and how, uh, wherever you are, your job, schoolhouse, those that know you, in your family, you're to be a witness for Jesus Christ. This word comes from the word martyr, martyr. In other words, it takes total surrender to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And we are to be a witness and proclaim it unto him. <clears throat> there was a man who heard the gospel there in Winston-Salem when I was going to uh, the college there. And the man's mind was off just a little. And he, would, he heard the gospel and he believed it. And he surrendered his life. And he wanted to be a witness. And he didn't know exactly how to do that. So he had somebody to paint a sign on one side of it on the front. It said, I'm a fool for Christ's sake. Well, they'd laugh at him. He went down the street. And he had a sign over his body. The front of it said, I'm a fool for Christ's sake. And when he passed on the back of it, he said, Who's fool are you? That's pretty good. Now, to be a witness, there's two ways to spell tack. One is T-A-C-K. The other one is T-A-C-T. Man just converted, and he happened to be a barber. And he had a man seated, and he was shaving him, and he wanted to be a witness. And so he put the razor right up to his throat and he said, Prepare to meet thy God. <laughs> and so when the man could get loose, he would, of course, run out into the street. But he used tact. But we're the witness. We tell others. We're not to take for granted that folks are going to be saved without a witness. We're to give them witness. And we're to proclaim it as a witness. There's two words used in the scripture uh, for this thing of witnessing. One is public preaching, that is proclaiming. That's the word that's used. The apostle says, I proclaim the gospel. I preach Christ crucified I proclaim <coughs> but there's another word that's used and that's Herod heriting the gospel gossiping the gospel John Bunyan the old writer Pilgrim's Progress said that he got saved as uh, he was selling his wares but as he 
uh, would go to homes and he came up the side of a hedge and he could listen to the ladies talking about the service that went on on Sunday. And he listened to them as they talked about the gospel and the service at church. <clears throat> and he said they were gossiping the gospel. And it got hold of him. He got saved. My, what a, what a great witness he was. He was. As these ladies witnessed to him and became a messenger to his soul. A messenger to, to his soul. How about the person that is seated next to you there at work? Or the person you work with or the person that you sit beside of at school? Do they really know that you're a Christian and that you love Christ? Do they know that? Does folks know it in your home? Do they know it? Do they know it in the family that you love this Christ? And you have determined to serve him. You've determined to serve him. You become a witness, a martyr. You put it down. You put your life down for him. Is that where you are? Are you proud to proclaim it as a witness? There's the fourth thing. Turn to the book of Jude, the little book that comes just before the revelation. This little book, one chapter, and you come down to verse 3. For Paul was proud to contend for the gospel as a good soldier. He said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, the body of truth we believe, which was once delivered unto the saints. He goes on to tell about those apostates who have crept in on our words. They wormed their way in. But what we're concerned with is the fact that he was proud to contend for the gospel proud to contend for it as a soldier. In the book of Philippians that we studied here in Sunday school so long, chapter 1, verse 27, <coughs> listen to this apostle as he says in verse 27, chapter 1, or let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Here he's saying that, the, uh, that Christianity is not a playground, it's a battleground. It's a battleground. We need soldiers. We need uh, qualified soldiers that will proclaim it and contend for it as a soldier. In the Timothy letter, he says to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. To be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. 
So the church is not a playground, but a battleground. It's the battleground. It's the battleground over truth, the body of truth, we believe, the faith, the faith. It frightened us to death if we just knew, if we just knew where we are in this apostasy. We've been going downhill a long time. I watched it myself over many years and we're slipping back and we're going down. Slipping back. When you let go of truth, then you slip and you keep letting go and letting go and compromising on this and that and the other. Listen, we're to contend for the faith. Here he's talking about hand-to-hand combat. Hand-to-hand. You say, well, I don't have any trouble with that. Well, you haven't uh, been contending then. You had been contending for this. Listen, he wants you to be a good soldier and to stand your ground. Isn't it great to be in the thick of the battle where you can feel the devil breathing down your back? I think it is. I think this is a good day to be in the the work of the Lord. Stand for Jesus Christ. Sometimes you may be standing alone, but you're to stand as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it'll take standing alone. Let me tell you where we are. We're at a time now when you you've got to explain what a Christian is. Isn't that a sad state of affairs? And you ask somebody, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian, but I'm not like that other one down the road. See, we've got to distinguish. Why not just be Christian? Just be Christian and live for Jesus and just be steady walking with him and take for him be a good soldier of Jesus Christ he's proud to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ he's not ashamed <clears throat> Then turn to the Timothy letter, Second Timothy, at chapter four. He was proud to believe it as a man. He was proud to confess the gospel as a Christian. He's proud to proclaim it as a witness. He's proud to contend for it as a soldier. In the fifth place, he was proud to suffer for the gospel as a martyr. Here in chapter 4, he said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, that is the living and the dead, at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Rebuke. In other words, he said, do it when it's popular and when it's not. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. 
For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. And then he begins to tell about his suffering. He says, for I am now ready to be offered. Here he is in the prison. He can look out through the bars. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith, the faith, the body of truth. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all of them also that love his appearing. Here he is, proud to suffer, even down to the last moments of his life, for the gospel. He gives a charge, he said, preach the word. He gives caution, he said, the time will come. He gives a course, he said, I've finished my course. I've finished my course. Boy, what a testimony this is. He's writing this to a young preacher. He's an aging preacher and writing this to a young preacher. This desire of my life is to finish right as a preacher finish right and then there's a crown in verse 8 charge the caution the course and the crown he says a crown laid up there's a crown laid up God has a crown laid up for me here is the apostle Paul saying I'm not ashamed in fact I'm proud he says that's the word that's used I'm proud of the gospel of Jesus Christ a man came to a meeting. George Whitfield was getting ready to preach. A great crowd had gathered. This man had his pockets full of rocks. He was going to break up that meeting. Again, to throw rocks. He was going to throw rocks at the preacher. He was the first one on target that he had. So he settled down in the crowd and was waiting just a moment. It wouldn't be the best time began to throw rocks at the preacher. Of course, this was outside, open meeting. Whitfield bowed his head to pray. And the man thought, well, I, I'll just wait till he gets through praying before I began throwing rocks. Whitfield prayed, and then he opened the scriptures, and he read the word of God while he's reading the man was thinking well I hate to throw a rock at him in reading the Bible I'll wait till he gets through reading the Bible by that time he'd finished his reading plunged into his text and began to preach and the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of that man's heart and he became a converted soul and he gave the testimony himself that I've just given you. God has to get a hold of hearts. He can take a rebellion, 
a rebellious heart and turn it around and make it a heart that will receive. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to everyone that believes. Let's stand quiet.